All right, what's cracking? Welcome back. Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. I'm Jim Rome. I'm in Southern California. I feel great. What's going on? What's good? How was your weekend? All right, you can answer that any way you want, but we begin the interview portion of the program, and not just the interview portion of the program, but we are joined by the head coach of the Denver Nuggets. He is in his ninth season in that capacity. He is a two-time NBA All-Star Game coach. He led the Nuggets to their first NBA championship in franchise history. They're 39-19. They're coming off a big win over Golden State last night. They host the Kings on Wednesday. We are joined by Michael Malone. Michael, my guy, it is great to have you back. How you doing, Michael? I'm doing well, Jim. Uh, been a long time, but always enjoy being on with you and uh, appreciate all the nice words. My man, I want to say the exact same thing about you. It has been a long time, and it's always good to talk to you, and I appreciate you making time. In fact, how long? I'll tell you how long. You and I last spoke in June when you were coming off that championship run and that epic victory parade. So catch <laughs> me up. How are things with you personally? And then how do you feel about where the team is at with over two-thirds of the regular season in the books? Yeah, you know, do- doing well, obviously. uh had a very tough loss this year. My father passed away, you know, back in October. And that's been hard in terms of, you know, I've relied upon him for so many years, uh, being my mentor, being my coach, being a friend and being my father and somebody that was always there to support me, to challenge me. And, uh, and I've missed that. You know, I've, I've definitely missed having that. But um, overall, I'd say what, could not be more proud of our group. 39 and 19, as you mentioned, 3 and 0 out of the All Star break, and uh, you know it's not easy when you're the reigning champ because you know you're getting everybody's best every single night. But uh, I like our approach right now. I like how well we're playing, and uh, the key is going to be with 24 games to go. Can we continue to play at a high level going into the postseason? Michael Malone joining us. Michael, I'm very sorry for your loss, and I was going to ask you about that. You know, you're the guy. There are very few people, but you're one of those leaders that everybody else leans on, and your dad was somebody that you could lean on, and now that he's gone, who do you lean on if you need to lean on somebody? Yeah, it's, uh, I'll tell you what. I think the strongest person in my entire family has always been my mother. And, uh, you know, Maureen Malone is a tough, tough lady, uh, raised six kids, and uh, has seen more basketball than most people ever will. And so having, uh, having a mother uh, like that is somebody that I can go to just for, you know, support. And just so, you know, when I miss my father, you can have a conversation, and that helps me. It helps her. And then from a basketball standpoint, I have a tremendous coaching staff, and I rely on David Adelman, Ryan Saunders, Popeye Jones, uh, Ryan Bowen, whoever it is, all these guys that I have around me, they're not just good coaches. They're even better people, and they challenge me to become a better coach and to look at things in every way possible so that we're always finding a way to improve and never be stagnant. Um, so I would, I would say, you know, from a basketball standpoint, my staff, the players on our team, I've, I've been with Nicola for nine years, Jamal Murray for eight years, and, uh, you know, these guys, we're family with our team. And they've also helped me kind of get through this tough stretch. That's and uh, couldn't be more proud of those guys. That's really, really strong. Michael Malone joining us, really strong. In fact, you see it on the floor last night. I thought that was a hell of an effort against a resurgent Warriors team that you know needed and wanted that game badly. Your team ripped off a pair of 14-0 runs. You overcame that 15-point deficit. You ripped that dub. I mean, that's some championship grit right there. What was your message to your team after they pulled it off? 
Well, the message was simple. You know, what I was most proud about, and you just kind of alluded to it, Jim, was we're in the second quarter. We're down by 16 points in that building. Clay Thompson's going crazy. The crowd is into it. And a lot of teams, that 16-point lead is going to 25. What I loved about our group is that there was never any panic. We stayed the course. We played harder. We became the aggressor. And to close that first half on a 14-0 run, to tie the game at the half was really important. And then to build off of that to start the third quarter, as you alluded to with the 14-4 run, that was, my, that was where I was most proud about. Yes, we won the game, but not getting down, not quitting, not letting go of that proverbial rope, staying the course and staying together. And I think that's what championship teams do. You find a way. Things aren't going your way. You find a way to stay with it, knowing in 48 minutes it's a long time to play, and things will change if you stay with it and you play the right way. And, you know, Nikola Jokic, three games out of the break, averaging 27 points, 17 rebounds, and 15 assists. Those are just crazy numbers right there. And then when you can add a Jamal Murray getting 27 and Aaron Gordon, whoever else it may be for us on a given night, I think our depth is uh, something that people don't really talk about enough because Nicole is such a great player, but we have a lot of other really good players that are a big part of what we're doing. Michael Malone joining us. That's one of my favorite phrases, don't let go of the rope. I was going to ask you about the big two, and I hear what you're saying about, hey, look, we're really lucky to have these guys, but we have a lot of great players. But when you talk about Nicola, like he's making the impossible look routine once again. He went 32, 16, and 16 last night. You talked about his numbers coming out of the All-Star break. I mean, is he in a place where this is just his standard, and he maintains that standard pretty much every night or is this guy actually somehow getting better I I think I think he's getting better you know and I'm with him every day I'm with him every night Um, and you know even last night so we look at the 32 16 and 16 but on top of that Jim he has four steals he has one block he had five deflections and I heard that after the game Draymond Green went on his podcast and said hey you know, me and Joker have had some battles in the past, but last night I had no answers for Joker. And he marveled at Nicola's conditioning, his ability to get up and down the court over the course of the 37 minutes that he played. Um, and what I'm really impressed with, not just with Nicola, but our group, we have lost three games in a row going into the All-Star break. Not ideal. So the challenge was coming out of the break to hit the ground running and find a way to get back to playing at an elite level. And then three games so far, we've done that with Nicola leading the charge. Um, he understands what time it is right now, this time of the season with 24 to go. He and we have to get back to playing at a high level, a consistent level every night. And uh, he just continues to amaze at the consistent greatness every single night. We are talking to Michael Malone. You know, Michael, it's like Draymond. Draymond actually plays Nicola about as well as anybody. So if Draymond's going to rush to his podcast and say, man, I had no answers. I had no answers. That tells you what kind of a level that Nicola's playing at right now. What about Jamal? He was questionable, Michael, until right up until the start of the game, yet he finished with 27. Now, you know that he knows the importance of being right for the postseason. What's it say about him that he didn't even know if he was going to go, yet goes out and does that? Well, I think it speaks to you know a couple of things with Jamal. He's an elite-level player. All right, and you know we were all disappointed he wasn't selected as an all-star this year. But as I told Jamal, there are some guys that make the all-star team that will never ever do what you've done in the playoffs on the biggest stage when the stakes are at their highest. 
and for him to be battling the different injuries he's battling with. He's one of the toughest players I've ever been around, mentally and physically. And, you know, we, we play Washington coming out of the, uh, the All-Star break. He plays really well, does not play in the Portland game. And then, as you mentioned, not sure if he's going to play last night, goes out there and scores 27. But I think the biggest part of his 27 were the second quarter. He had 16 of those 27, Jim. And that was when the game was hanging in the balance. There was an 11, 12-point lead. And was the game going to get away from us? And Jamal never let the game get away from us. He kept us within striking distance, which enabled us to close on that 14-0 run we spoke about earlier. Uh, Jamal's a gamer. He's tough. And I think we have the best two-man combo in the league. You have two great players in Jamal and Nicola. And uh, when those guys are clicking we become a very, very tough team to beat. Michael Malone joins me for a couple of more moments. You know, Michael, you look at the West, especially at the top, and it's fierce, right? You've got Minnesota, OKC, a couple of young teams having great, great seasons. You made an interesting point, though, I thought last week when you said getting the top seed, quote, is not a top one or two priority for you. I get where you're going with that, but can you lay it out for us? Why is getting the top seed not the end all, and when is it maybe not a good thing at all? Well, obviously... I want everybody to understand because I think maybe people misinterpret what I'm saying. We would love to be the number one seed again. You know, last year that proved to be very beneficial for us, having home court advantage throughout the Western Conference uh, and the NBA Finals. We only lost one home game in the entirety of the postseason, and that was game two to Miami in the Finals. So we're not shying away from the one seed. If we can attain the one seed, we will take it. We have, we feel, the best home crowd in the NBA, and we have a very, and we've proven to be a very tough out at home. For me, the bigger and most important thing is when our starting five are healthy and available, we have almost a 700 winning percentage. So we have to make sure come playoff time that we have not put ourselves at a disadvantage of running guys into the ground or overplaying them, maybe when they should not be playing to deal with their injuries. I, I want player availability. I want Jamal, KCP, Michael, Aaron, Nicola, those five guys to be ready, healthy, and available to go come playoff time because I think with that group and the guys off of our bench, we can go to any gym in this NBA and beat anybody on a given night, and I have that much confidence in our group. So we'll take the one seed, but player availability and player health to me is a lot more important at this stage. Well said. Makes perfect sense to me. So one final thought, like you're worried about what's in front of you right now, but if you kind of step back or go from 30,000 feet up, man, the West, the West is so different, but what's not different is it's tough, it's competitive, it's deep. I mean, you've got the two young teams I mentioned. You're playing really at a high level as defending champs. I don't think anybody wants to run into either Golden State or the Lakers in the first round. Given how deep this conference is how intense do you expect the playoffs to be when they do tip off in april oh i think it's you know it's going to be crazy you know you you mentioned the depth of the western conference the parity across the western conference you have to give minnesota and okc a ton of credit you know obviously what chris finch and mark dagnall are doing with their respective teams has been uh, just so impressive and it's really cool for the northwest division to have the top three teams in the western conference that speaks to the depth of our respective division. Uh, but you're right. I mean, there's a lot of teams in the West, 1 through 10 right now, that they Golden State, with all their experience, they catch fire. They can beat anybody. The Lakers, LeBron James is one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Anthony Davis, another all-star. And they're the 9 seed. Golden State's a 10 seed right now. So 
Dallas is an eight seed. They finally lost the game the other night. They had been playing at such a high level. And I'm talking about those are teams eight, nine, and ten. And then New Orleans, Phoenix, Sacramento, the Clippers. So a lot of great teams, a lot of really well-coached teams in the Western Conference, and I think it was going to make for a very, very exciting postseason. And there will be, a, I'm sure, a ton of upsets. I can't, I can't imagine that not being the case this year. I mean, shoot, we've done this so long, Michael. It's, it's actually insane when you look at it and when you lay it out like that. He is the head coach of the Denver Nuggets. They are the defending world champs. They are playing great ball right now. Michael, so much respect and appreciation for you. Thanks for making time for our program. And really good to hear your voice and get caught up. Thanks so much for that. Always, Jim. Uh, look forward to catching up again sometime soon and hope you and your family have been well. Thanks a lot, buddy. Appreciate you too, it. Michael. Appreciate you so much. Michael Malone joining us goes without saying. He almost deserves his own disclaimer, Alvin. Like, like the one-man disclaimer that I play for NASCAR for every one of their drivers. Like, love that guy. Always shows up like that, man. So smart, fierce, tough, passionate, great coach, great interview, great conversation. One of my favorites. I don't play favorites. I do not play favorites. They pay me not to play favorites. I do not play favorites. He is one of my all-time favorites. I love Michael Malone. Here you go, Ali. Well done. And they're still not getting the respect they deserve. I know that sounds crazy. As the defending champs. I got it, Ali. Thanks. As the defending champs in 39 and 19, I'm telling you, they're not getting the respect they deserve. I thought you made a great point. Now, don't misconstrue what I'm saying. We would love to be the one seed. We know there's a benefit. We feel like we have the best home court advantage of anybody in the NBA. But I don't want to kill us to get there and not have guys that are healthy and available once we do get there. Makes sense. This guy hits on what happened with Cam. Rome Dome. Been involved in 7v7 football for a few years now. And honestly, I'm surprised this bleep doesn't happen every weekend. Some of these MMAers, er, coaches, think their next stop is coaching alongside Hood on Sundays. And the parents are worse. Simmer down, everyone. Your stud eight-year-old corner son is going nowhere. And neither are you. Get some perspective, please, before you ruin another generation of kids. Tim, well said. There's something to that. I mean, you do know, right? I mean, every once in a while, your eight-year-old sensation will be a phenom. But more often than not, everybody else catches up to that eight-year-old kid in time and then blows right by him. Can't say how many times I sat. You know, we were in baseball. We were not in football. But I would sit in the stands and watch some stud, some kid, some eight-year-old that was head and shoulders above everybody else. And people would be like, oh, D1, D1, oh. And then by the time the kid gets to 11, everybody else is starting to grow and have blown right by the kid. And he's just another kid. All right, when we come back, another interview. Jamal Shedd, guard for the Cougars. After that, open phones the rest of the way. Michael Malone was tremendous. Thanks for that, Coach. Gas, groceries, utilities, you name it. The price of everything is going up. And if you were stuck in a bad timeshare with rising maintenance fees, the financial burden can be crushing. It is time to get your finances in order and get the real facts about that timeshare that you think you're stuck in. You might not be. Chuck McDowell, founder of Wesley Financial Group. 
He's been helping families out of these terrible timeshares for over 10 years now and has put together a complete timeshare exit information kit that he will send you absolutely free. To date, over 30,000 families have trusted Wesley Financial Group to help them out of financial hardship by getting them out of these bad timeshares. And they may be able to do the same for you, too. To get the facts about how the timeshare industry works and your options for cancellation, simply call Wesley now for your free timeshare exit kit. 800-462-3333-800-462-3333-800-462-3333. You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. Welcome back. I'm Jim Rome. All right, going back to back, a little basketball for you. Just talked to a legend in Michael Malone, the head coach of the Denver Nuggets. We are joined right now by a guard for the Houston Cougars. He is in his senior season now. He was the 2023 American Athletic Conference Defensive Player of the Year. Second team all AAC player last season. He's averaging 13 points and a team high 5.9 assists per game this year. The Cougs are 24 and 3. They're 11 and 3 in Big 12 play. They've won five straight. They are now currently ranked number one in the AP poll. That just dropped. We are joined by Jamal Shedd. Jamal, it's been a minute. It's good to have you back on. How are you? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm great, dude. I'm great. Nice to visit with you. So three days left before the month of March. This is what you put all the work in, and not just for this season, but effectively your entire life. You obviously want to be playing your best ball and peaking at the right time. Do you feel like that's the case with this group and that you're finding another gear when it matters most? Yeah, I think we're gelling really well. Everybody's figured out what everybody else's strengths are, and we're just trying to play off each other just keep playing that defense. So um, I think I think we're coming together at the, at the right time now. So you're coming off that huge OT road win over number 11 Baylor Saturday. What a great game that was. The Bears came back from 16 down, but you didn't blink when they did, nor did you flinch when it appeared that you had won the game with a three at the buzzer in regulation that was overturned by video review. That didn't matter. What's that game tell you about the Cougs' mental toughness? Um, I think if you go down that stat line, every single person that played that game contributed in their own way. And um, I think that's what it's all about for us. Everybody coming to play their best basketball, everybody wanting to contribute, everybody coming together and playing good as a collective. So um, I feel like we, we were destined to win that game because we all had the right mindset, right attitude. Man, it sounds like Kelvin at Samson basketball right there. I'll get to him in a minute. Jamal Shedd joining us. What about your dude, LJ Cryer? He had 15. Had to feel great. I mean, no matter what, it's going to feel good. But he did it against his former club. The two of you, I think, have been a tremendous one-two punch, combining for 28 per game. How were you two able to establish that great chemistry so quickly? And what has he brought to your team this year? Um, I've been on LJ since third grade, so it's <laughs> It's been a long road, and, um, you know, we finally get to play with each other. And once we started to live together and we started to play together, it just it was an instant click. So he brings everything that I don't, and I bring everything that he doesn't. So and we, we match each other, and we, we our chemistry is really, really good, and I feel like we feed off each other really well. That's actually a great story. That You've been on him since third grade. You know how, like, if you want something really badly and you want it for a really long time and then you get it, and then sometimes it's not what you thought it would be? I mean, is this is this pretty much what you thought it would be? Yeah, this, this is pretty much what I thought I'd be playing with one of the best shooters in the country, playing with a dude who's really mature, a dude who's won everywhere he's been, 
Um, just somebody that's a real winner and somebody who's really a, a good person outside of basketball. So it's been everything I thought it would be. I like that. Not only that, but you're playing for one of the best coaches in the game, one of the best coaches ever, I think. I've been interviewing Kelvin for a long, long time. In fact, my guy, I bet I've interviewed him longer than you've been alive. That's a hell of a coach right there. And I know he loves his guys, but he is tough. He is demanding. He's old school. But I know he loves all of you. Can you put into words how your coach has shaped the kind of player and person that you have become? Um, you know, he's made me mature. Um, just watching him every day, watching how he approaches the game, he approaches practice, how he just approaches life. Um, just with the same attitude, same consistency every day has made me a better player and a better person. So um, he's been pushing me, and uh, that's what I came here for. I've been trying to be coachable and learn as much as I could for him while I was still here. So he's been, he's been the reason I've had a lot of this success. I think it's really interesting that last part you just said because when he and I spoke in December, we talked about how some, just some, some young players, eh, they're not the way necessarily that they were when he came up and that he made the point, yeah, maybe not, but there are still guys that want to be coached hard, quote unquote. Was that one of the reasons why you want to play college ball at Houston? Did you want to be coached hard? I mean, nobody ever wants to be coached hard, but I knew it would be hard. And I knew whatever he would say to me, whatever he would do, I knew it would do nothing but better me. So um, I knew what I was getting myself into. Uh, I didn't know how hard it would be, but I knew that if I stuck with it, I, I would come out a little successful. I knew a little bit what I was getting myself Jamal Shedd joining us. Jamal, I'm starting to lose the connection with you. I got most of that answer. It was a really good answer. I love the way you started. Hey, look, nobody really wants to be coached hard, but as you know, everything good is on the other side of hard. Let me ask you this. You declared for the NBA draft last year. You decided to return for your senior year. What went into that decision? Ultimately, why did you decide to come back? Um, I felt uh, that I could get a lot more out of this season, and I, I knew that this team would be pretty good when coming back. I knew J1 was coming back. I knew LJ was coming. Um, Emmanuel stepped up in a big way. I just knew that I, I could do a little bit better. I felt like I had I had some left in the tank. Hmm. So what about the conference itself? You play in one of the deepest conferences in the nation, in the Big 12. Like, How fired up were you to join that conference and test yourselves against the best in the country night in and night out? Oh, man, it's been fun. You know, you really go to battle every single night. And I think we've stepped up to the plate. Uh, hearing what people have said, I feel like we've we've overcome a lot of adversity and just stuck together. So it's been fun playing in the best conference in the country, and it's even fun, even more fun winning in it. So it's been awesome. Yeah, I guess time will tell before I let you go. Time will tell, but I wonder, does playing in a conference like that get you tournament tough and ready for the big dance, or maybe does it just kind of beat you down and wear you out? Because to your point, it's a grind every single night. Nothing is easy. Right. Coach Coach says it all the time. It would be a blessing or a curse because, you know, like you said, we're beating each other up. Um, but I feel like the, those beatings turn into lessons when, when tournament time comes. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. You got Cincinnati coming into your building tomorrow night. You're unbeaten at home. Tomorrow is going to be a whiteout game. What kind of energy and atmosphere are you expecting at the Fertitta Center tomorrow? Our fans have been... Absolutely amazing this season. Um, you know, we joined the Big 12. They joined the Big 12, too. They've stepped their game up. Our students have been awesome. So uh, I feel like it's going to be like every other game. It's going to be just electric, and the building's going to be packed. 
It's fun, man. It's fun. It's fun to see. It's fun to watch. I would imagine it's unbelievably fun to be a part of. 24-3, and 11-3, top rank now. Jamal Shed, my guest. Jamal, appreciate you. Like I said, it's been a minute. Great to have you back. You sound great. Good luck this weekend. Hope we can do it again. Yes, sir. Thank you. You have a good day. You too. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Great player. Really, really good player. And you know they wanted in that conference. And you know that like any great athlete, they heard all the talk about, yeah, it's different. You're not going to do as well. And there they are. Not only on top, but on top of the nation. It's a Kelvin Sampson team right there. They're going to play hard. They're going to play tough. (laughs) I still love that answer. When I asked him, did you want to go there because you want to be coached hard? I thought for sure he would say, yes, of course. He goes, no, nobody wants to be coached hard. But you do it for the right reason, and then you go, and you're better for it. All right, 1-800-636-8686. Let me check some reaction really quickly before I go to break. I don't want to lose this. Romy, Cam Newton is a complete dork, clown, buffoon, and stiff. Signed, your buddy Eric in Orlando. Eric, as is typically the case... I'm not exactly sure what your point is. And by as is typically the case, what I mean is as is always the case. Every time you submit anything, Cam Newton is a complete dork, clown, buffoon, and stiff. Signed to your buddy, Eric in Orlando. One more thing, buddy. Just sign it, Eric in Orlando. And then I'll ask again, what's your point, dude? That because you don't like him, he deserved to get sucker punched at a seven-on-seven football game? That he had it coming? Why? Because of his look, because of his fit, because, because why? He didn't dive on that fumble? Yeah, y'all, I thought that I would see that joke a lot more today than I have, that If he dove on that football, that fumble, with the same intensity that he was throwing these dudes off of him, he'd have a ring. No, but seriously, dude, what's your point? That he deserved that? I don't know exactly what transpired prior to it. I saw one report that his team and that team played an attorney, and they were talking a lot of junk. Obviously, there's a lot of pride at stake. As that one guy said, I've been a part of this for a few years now. Those MMAers, er, coaches, are totally out of hand and the parents are worse. So you've got all of that energy and there's some money involved. I think the winning team got five grand. So you've got that energy and you've got the money and then you've got some bleep talking and then you get yourselves a little mini riot on the podium. I don't know exactly what happened, but I'm going to put myself out there and say he probably did not deserve to get sucker punched and jumped by seven guys. But then again, having said that, it didn't matter, did it? This is what I mean. Like, there's a lot of people listening. I've never made this mistake because I've physically have been in their space. I've sat next to Cam Newton. I know how big this guy is. I think a lot of people listening are thinking like, yo, man, I can take that guy. I can handle that guy. I can do that. And again, you're not giving enough respect to that breed of athlete and human. Big, strong, fast, tough. 
Say what you want about Cam. You're entitled to your opinion. You can't tell me that's not a tough mother bleeper. But some of you will. Some of you will be like, no, it's not that. It's that the guys who jumped him are nothing. I don't know, man. Seven against one usually are not very good odds. But then again, like I said, Cam has spent that most of his football life playing one on 11 or two on 11 or one on seven. Man, that's just a normal, I mean, it happened on a Sunday, but that'd be like a normal Wednesday for him. Cam against the world. Just like, just like some rando calling him, quote, a complete dork, clown, buffoon, and stiff. He's used to that, too. Here's another guy. This actually is not as offensive as the other. Hey, Rome, don't take that bait. This, quote, fight with Cam Newton was nothing more than a publicity stunt. Kevin Greenville. Hey, look, I have a fairly trained eye. Whenever I see something that's viral, that just doesn't seem right, I assume that it's not right, that it is staged, that it is a stunt. I'll give you an example. People crashing O.J. Simpson's house early in the morning and waking him up and saying, wakey, wakey, O.J. Obviously, you see something like that, you know that's a stunt. There's a few red flags there. Me, I'm not wakey waking a double murderer. Anyway, that you can tell that that was not legit. Now, this, if we were to come to find out that this was a publicity stunt or a pub grab, yeah, that would not blow me away. But I'll ask you this question Why? Why? Who comes out of that looking good? Publicity for what? The guys who attacked him don't look good. Cam, I guess, sort of looks good, but except for that, that, witch, that witch hat that never fell off. But what does he get out of that? Why does he need that? Publicity for what? His foundation? His 7-on-7 seven seven team? What, is some future employer going to look at that and be like, yeah, man. Hey, he's tough. He's tough. Or, he still got it. You see him elude those tacklers? Well, yeah, because they're football dads. They're not NFLers. Like, publicity for what? What did anybody get out of that? So I'm not, I'm not big on that must have been a pub stunt. Pub for what? This one says, Holmes. I'm not sure what I'm more impressed with. Cam's ability to take on four dudes in a fight or hold his own and hold his own or his ability to keep that stupid-ass hat that he stole from somebody's essential grandma on his head the entire time. Dan and Raleigh. I mean, that, that is part of the whole thing. The fit and the hat. And how is it that he's throwing seven dudes off him and the hat doesn't even move? Yeah, I don't know. All right, so when we come back, you can talk about that if you want. Personally, I kind of want to get into Tanrod. Not sure what he was thinking or what he was doing. But phone lines are open after those two interviews. Do not miss Power 
Torque Tools DIY days right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Power Torque hand tools come with a lifetime guarantee. Right now, you can save big on the best hand tools, power tools, jacks, and more. Let the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts help you find the right power torque tools for your next DIY project. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts or visit OReillyAuto.com. Get the parts and service you need fast from the... Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. Check it out. Not all beef jerky is the same. Old Trapper's original old-fashioned teriyaki, hot and spicy, and peppered all come in four-ounce bags. So you can sample the different flavors to find the best one for you. Ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper. What is your beef? All right, so obviously one of the biggest things that came out of the weekend, the thing that so many of you want to be talking about or talking about is the hell happened to A-Rod. Alex Rodriguez. They showed Dude at the T-Wolves game Friday night, and holy bleep, tan much? Yeah, I know, I know. Hey, Rome, you're breaking your own rule. Personal appearances are not show fodder. You're right, they're not. They're not. Unless you're that guy and you show up in public looking like that. Looks like Dude went inside a tanning bed, accidentally fell asleep in it, and not for a couple of minutes, and not for a couple of hours, but for a couple of days. Because damn, Al, that tan looks bad. Dude is out here pulling what the internet coined, not me, but the internet, because the internet will do that. Dude's out here pulling what the internet coined a, quote, reverse Sammy Sosa. End of quote. That's not me. I did not make that up. The so-called internet did. But I will say this. I almost didn't recognize the guy. It was that bad. Seriously. He went 50 shades of tan on us. Now, of course, I have an opinion. And more importantly, I have experience in this matter. It's not like I was glossed tan smack by all of you for nothing. It was the result of me on that hog from the 80s with a blonde in front of me. And a blonde behind me, pre-Dodger Jano. And yes, I was tan as hell. So I get that life. I'm about that life. I just don't get this life. There's a right way to secure that perfect bronze look and a wrong way. And then the worst way. And we all know I did it the right way. I did it organically. Just driving up and down PCH on my hog, securing my vitamin D correctly. Not a fraud. A fraud, on the other hand, dude cheats at baseball, and now he cheats at tanning. And it looks horrible. I mean, that visible a dude, 
that famous a dude cannot be showing up and looking that whack in public or even in private for that matter. Even if he wants to do like he did back in the day and make out with himself in the mirror. You can't even do that looking like that. If you live under a rock and you don't know what I'm talking about, just go ahead. Refresh your X feed, but do so at your own risk. Because if you do it, you're going to be blasted with disturbing images of Alex Rodriguez and his new tan. Trust me, he and his tan are not hard to find. I mean, dude, come on with that. You got to be freaking kidding me. Again, take it from me. I'm tan smack. I know what the hell I'm talking about. That looks horrible, dude. I don't know if you're going through some, I don't know, something. Everybody's always going through something. So I'm assuming that you're going through something right now. Maybe you're trying to shake a midlife crisis. Maybe you never got over J-Lo. Whatever it is, it's something. Otherwise, you would not do that to yourself. That's not the way to handle whatever you're going through, dude. I mean, do you have a new gig? Are you auditioning to be Uncle Alex on the Jersey Shore? Seriously, it looks like you're a cast member on the shore. Hashtag GTL, gym, tan, laundry. Alex, is that the crew that you're running with right now? I mean, dog, don't you live in Florida for a chunk of the year? What are you going to tell me next? That you and tan mom Patricia are hitting that tanning salon together? You all remember tan mom, don't you? Tan Rod is now giving Tan Mom a run for her money. That's not a good thing. Again, take it from me. Tan Smack. Here. Here. Tan Smack. I am perfectly bronzed, and I've never once seen the inside of a tanning bed, and I never will. Nor have I ever been sprayed with a tanning gun. Dude, you're like, you're rich, you're famous, you're handsome as hell, former great athlete. How the hell do you not know better, A-Fraud? Your look, especially now, your look is half your business and moneymaker. You're an analyst. You're on TV. You're a public figure. How the hell do you show up looking like that in public? Ever. Unless you're going, unless they're going to hit you with a bunch of grease. And you're going to drop into your Speedo and then get in on a little WWE action. Or maybe brother, maybe you're a pro bodybuilder now. I don't know. Anytime your name starts getting mentioned with the likes of Tan Mom and Pauly D, it's usually not a good thing. My guy, you abused roids. You lied about it. And now apparently you're abusing cans of spray tan and it doesn't seem like you're being all that truthful either about that the truth will set you free and so will the sun get your ass outside and find some get your ass to Mars. his response to trending over the weekend was quote everybody calm down it's just a tan all right everybody i know that i'm dark but i am dominican and i went on vacation <laughs> And I fell asleep <laughs> in the sun. <laughs> so everybody calm down. Tranquilito, suavecito, mi gente. Yeah. No. 
So that's his story. That's his side of the story. He's Dominican and fell asleep during a vacation. Okay. Intiendo. No problema. A frado. You don't use a tanning bed. You don't use a tanning spray. Somebody ought to find Katie Cork wherever she is. Is she still around? Is she still alive? Somebody find Katie Cork so they can sit down and have another interview. Katie will be, Katie be like, so, have you ever used a tanning bed? No. Have you ever went inside a booth with paint nozzles and gotten sprayed down a different shade of skin color? No. Have you ever been tempted to use those things? No. You never felt like this guy. You never felt like a guy doing it. You never felt like wearing those silly goggles and getting blasted with spray tan. And you're there maybe 60 seconds, but instead you fall asleep. And then you're out. And then you emerge looking like that. Has that never happened? No. I never felt overmatched in the sun tanning field. If I did my tan work since I was a rookie back in Seattle, I wouldn't have a problem tanning at any beach, park, or rooftop. Have you ever used steroids, human growth hormone, or any other performance-enhancing substance? No. Have you ever been tempted to use any of those things? No. You never felt like, this guy's doing it. Maybe I should look into this, too. He's getting better. This guy's numbers, tanning. Maybe I should ball. look into that too. I've never felt overmatched on the baseball field. The tanning field, field is un, very strong, it's an position. unlevel and I felt tanning I bed my, my field. Since I've done, since I was, uh, you know, rookie Thanks, back Katie. in Seattle. Uh, I didn't and have a anyway, A Rod, next vacation, my guy, mix in a tanning bed alarm clock. I've got the perfect ringtone for you, too. <laughs> that will wake you up from your deep slumber inside the tanning bed. Did, nobody wants you to sit down to talk with Katie Cork. Nobody wants to see her or hear from her ever again. Wherever she is. Everybody relax. I just, I'm Dominican. I fell asleep in the sun. All right, everybody. I know that I'm dark, but I am Dominican. Sorry, dude. When you lie as much as you have, you don't get the benefit of the doubt. All right, we'll come back. Hour number three. I brought it up. You can respond. Don't go anywhere.